Blow the horn. Let's go. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a surplus to play football. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. Yes. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young men can play against and make his ass win. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This is a mauling, folks. A mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. I- Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom is traveling, so you get Dave solo tonight. Less in-depth in depth back and forth, probably a shorter episode, but more of my takes, what I saw against uh, Alabama playing uh, UTC on Saturday. So let's jump right in. No holds barred. Uh, Alabama's most lethargic performance since week two's outing against uh, Western Kentucky. That was kind of a sandwich game be- between uh, USC and Ole Miss, so you can kind of understand the letdown here. Uh, this is week 11, so maybe you give a little bit of a pass uh, there. Hard to call it a sandwich game with Mississippi State and Auburn, but certainly an opportunity to look ahead to Auburn. You know, I don't read too much into the bad performance. Um, you know, if you want to call it the worst performance of the year, or the most lethargic performance, I'm not going to argue with you, but it was still 31-3. to 3. Uh, It's a 28-point outing, and so who has – uh, who rolls out a stinker that's a 28-point win? Well, I guess Alabama does. Um, you know, especially when you think about <clears throat> all of uh, the chaos, really, that's taking place uh, across fo- college football. All the teams that are losing games that they shouldn't lose, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, Louisville, Clemson, Washington, and West Virginia have all dropped games that you would argue they should not lose. Texas, I know they're having a little bit of a down year this season, but the game that's going to cost Charlie Strong his job is losing to Kansas for the first time in almost 80 years. So, again, you look at teams that struggle and put up a subpar performance, they lose games. Alabama wins wins them by 28. So it's hard to feel uh, too bad, uh, and I certainly don't feel as bad about the performance tonight as I did Saturday night walking out of the stadium. Let's jump into some of the things that we saw on offense and uh, sort of break some of those down. For my money, um, it's hard to really pinpoint a cause for the lethargic play. Uh, you could, you could, you know, there's sort of three prongs here that you could, you could argue. You could go straight up, uh, just, just the team not being into the game, and that's a fair point. Playing a UTC again with Auburn next week, with all the praise that's been heaped. Uh, upon this team, it wouldn't be hard for them to think that they could just roll their helmets out there and uh, put up a big win. Uh, is it play calling and uh, game planning? I probably have a little bit of pick, a little bit of a bone to pick with those two items. But you know, hey, if the team is is not at, you know, take the line for example, if they're not out blocking and they're not out uh, playing at uh, sort of peak performance, then it doesn't matter what you call, you're going to struggle. So you know, that's sort of a chicken or egg, and then. You know, let's talk about Jalen's performance. Uh, I love the kid. I absolutely love the kid. We're getting some feedback. You know, what are you, why are you guys sort of dumping on Jalen? I'm going to tell you, that's not me. I love the kid. I love his poise. I love what he brings to the table. Um, I have not historically been a fan of running quarterbacks, but I get it. I get that that is how the game is changing. That's how the game is evolving. And I get that that's how you play true 11 on 11 football when you have a quarterback who is a legitimate threat. So um, I'm not opposed to it uh, as, as maybe Tom is or maybe as others are. Um, I will say that 
we're seeing we're not seeing the whole Jalen. We're seeing certainly his poise and his leadership and his moxie on the field. We're seeing his athleticism, but we're not seeing that we're not seeing all that he can become. He's a little scattershot as a passer. He's probably good for a fumble per game. Those are things that his game will clean up. There were times Saturday where he looked a little out of sorts, and it's a team that maybe he shouldn't look out of sorts with. But, again, it goes back to maybe lethargic play across the line. He seemed to have rushers in his grill all night long that were that were, were rushing his decisions. Uh, there were a couple times where it looked like he wanted to unleash the ball down the field but just didn't feel comfortable. So he's holding the ball. There were a couple instances where he held the ball maybe a little bit longer than he should. Um, so I think that we're going to see him grow and develop. So, I, I, again, I'm not pinning this on Jalen. I just think we saw a little bit of him being a freshman uh, on Saturday, maybe more than we've seen in other games this season. And so that's that's kind of telling. Again, some of the play calling. This is a team where I, I would have guessed – uh, you know, especially when you watch the captains come out at the beginning, this is a team where you would expect us to just run out. This is a, like a Gene Stalling special. Uh, you know, Alabama is just going to run the ball and sort of force feed the running game against a team that that we're just going to out physical and out man. And we didn't do that. We did a lot of, uh, again, stretching the uh, stretching sideline to sideline. You know, kind of the plays behind this the the line of scrimmage. I know Tom doesn't like those. Uh, I don't mind them, but uh, you play an opponent like this, I, th I think I think there is merit in just lining up and, and running the ball against them, and that we would have had uh, a little more success doing that. Um, our Darius was missing, and so let's think about that as a potential uh, cause. Uh, our Darius Stewart, truly one of my favorite players, uh, certainly on this team, has served as a little bit of a lightning rod uh, for this team, and I think he's been something of a security blanket for Jalen. So, and, and that, you know, to me, that was obvious very early in the season, very early against USC where he, that, he, you know, Ardarius has the opportunity to make those leaping uh, catches uh, going up for the ball and can be really, really aggressive. And that's something where Jalen can take a little bit of comfort. If I'm not spot on, uh, on the money with my passing, Ardarius is going to bail me out. And Ardarius has missed time this season but that was an injury. That was a known circumstance. The team knew, uh, hey, we've got to rally around this missing player. We've got to support Jalen kind of through this, this process, if you will. This was a – sounds like maybe a conduct issue. Uh, Saban has, has been uh, not really forthcoming, not that he should be, but uh, so it's sort of been a little uh, cloak and dagger with what uh, what the issue is. But it sounds like it's not health. It's just something off the field and that Ardarius, I suspect that he'll be back. But it's something that looked like a game-time decision. Ardarius dressed, had his helmet on the whole time on the sidelines, and he just never entered the game. And so you wonder if uh, all of these sort of form a witch's brew. The team was a little bit tired, a little bit lethargic. The play calling eh, probably could have been a little more aggressive, a little more physical. Uh, you know, that impacted, I think, Jalen's performance uh, a little bit at times during this game. Our Darius being out there, uh, maybe on short notice uh, or not being out there, and maybe that being on short notice, which cast players into different roles or different lights uh, with limited or, or lesser prep time. All of that, I think, is sort of a witch's brew uh, of what we saw <clears throat> on Saturday against the Mocs. Another thing that really kind of stood out to me was the rotation at the running back. Um, you know, Damian Harris had 13 carries for uh, for 99 and a touchdown. Um, and Jacobs, only five 
five for 17. You know, Jalen, Jalen had probably, you know, I, I, I might say more carries than I felt really comfortable with. There were a couple of times they looked like design runs, and I would have liked to have seen us do something something different with a ball. Maybe maybe ones or twosies, maybe kind of three or four. I just I'm not that's not heaping on uh, angst there, but uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of thought process where maybe he could have uh, had a, had a fewer carries. And there were a couple times where he seemed a little flummoxed in the pocket. And again, I think that was protection up front that broke down that he didn't feel comfortable. Uh, pulling the trigger on some passes, and so he went to run. So, again, I think there's there's a combo of factors at work there. What's interesting to me, what it felt like to me, is that we went with a really shallow bench, or the Tide went with a really shallow bench at the running back. Uh, you know, Damian and Jacobs, you know, Bo didn't play, probably could have played, and and, uh, and I read a couple articles where uh, Bo was cleared to play and actually asked uh, to play, but Saban uh, held him out. Uh, he's got a little bit of a knee sprain that may hurt some of his lateral movement. And coach just wants to make sure he's healthy for the next two games, uh, big games coming up with Auburn and then the SEC championship. And so that starts to make a, a lot of sense. What's interesting to me is what it starts to sound like, what it starts to feel like is, hey, we gave Damian 13 carries instead of maybe 25. We gave Jacobs, you know, five carries instead of maybe 12 or 15. Uh some of that was time of possession. The tie didn't possess the ball a lot. Uh, some of that was the limited number of plays. But, you know, we had a lot of three and outs, too. And I think if we had pounded the ball on the ground, then some of that starts to come back, uh, you know, come back to the tide, more plays, more time of possession. And so for my money, it felt like that we were trying to preserve. We knew that we had a, a shallow bench at running back. Uh, uh, B.J. Emmons is already out. Scarborough, uh, we knew that we wanted to help, uh, hold him out. So that gives you two, uh, essentially two scholarship running backs, or at least sort of top shelf running backs. There's other guys, but those are those. You know, those are the primary two. And so it felt like, hey, let's limit carries at the running back position because we know we have a shallow bench. And so what's what's interesting is, you know, 13 carries to Damien, five carries to Josh, 16 carries to Jalen. And so are we running Jalen? to preserve carries at the running back position. And if that's what you're doing, then I think your head's twisted a little bit because we've got two running backs uh, and we got one quarterback. So um, not sure, not sure I buy in uh, to, to that philosophy. I'm not exactly sure that's what we were doing. And again, it's always hard to tell with Jalen's run numbers because how many of those are pure straight up runs? How many of those are RPOs where he's reading the play correct and it and his option is to run, and then how many of those are you know flustered or pressure in the pocket that that forces them out versus a pure, you know Jalen will run in the ball on this on this play with you. So again, something to watch there. And I know we've been watching that most of the season, and and we'll continue to. But uh, uh, that's a little bit interesting. I'd like to get sort of full strength back at running back position. I don't know if we do this season with BJ. Emmons being out, but, uh, you know, maybe for the the postseason we get him back. But uh, I'd like to see Bo back. I'd like to see Bo get some more carries. I'd like to see Jacobs get some more carries. He looked – he had flash uh, in, in sort of midseason where he just looked brilliant. And I'd like to see him get some more reps. This is a game against UTC where I would have liked to have seen him get 20 carries, 25 carries, and, and really just sort of, you know, blow it out. And he could have had a 150-yard day. I just think he's really dynamic carrying the ball. Uh, he may need a few more carries to sort of get his motor running, but uh, he's a guy that I think um, 
has just a tremendous upside, and I'd like to see him get warmed up and tuned up uh, for some of these upcoming games. Also, want to talk about we talked about this on last week uh, the rotation of the uh, along the offensive line, and so you know Saban came out with uh, a pretty interesting report this uh, this past week. I guess it was early last week where he's talking about Lester Cotton, and he thought you know Lester uh, had been playing at a tackle position and then moved in to guard and then sort of took over for Alphonse. Alphonse was going to miss some time at the beginning of the season, um, and then they kind of went back and forth. And then Alphonse got hurt, and looks like maybe he's going to be out for uh, for the balance of the season. His his actually his football career may be over, and so that's something we'll have to keep an eye out too. Hope that's not the case. Um, but uh, and and then Lester got a little dinged up, and and last week he uh, he had to sit out, and so uh, a combo of Corin Kerman and uh, Josh Kasher uh, played at the right guard position, and they kind of rotated a little bit. Well, Saban came out first part of last week and said, you know, hey, we think maybe. Um, maybe Corn Curvin is one of our best linemen, and that maybe Lester isn't developing at the guard position as quickly as we would have liked or maybe expected, and so we're going to move him back to tackle. And so I don't think he was even available to play. He may still be sort of shaking off some cobwebs from from his concussion. But uh, it was interesting that Saban came out and said that so declaratively. Uh, and then so we're in this game with Corn Curvin and Josh Kasher rotating. Um, at the guard position, which again, that sort of eats into your stability at the line when you've got guys rotating. Uh, that can contribute to some ineffective line play. But it's hard to say that today after what after what we saw the tie do against uh, Mississippi State last year or last week. Um, <clears throat> so you know, you think about Corin Curvin and Josh, and we just talked about Lester. Uh, but then you have uh, in this game, uh, Cam Robinson goes down, and uh, you know he's he's. You know, we talk about him being good for a false start, you know, every game, and he's missed some blocks, and we kind of get onto him a little bit, but he's still the best lineman that uh, that Alabama fields, and he's going to be, you know, probably a top 10 draft pick in the upcoming NFL draft. So dude's got talent. Uh, he goes down, looks like a shoulder injury. Uh, Corin Curvin moves from right guard to left tackle. So Josh is – Josh Kasher uh, is sort of installed there. So now you've got sort of – two uh, different linemen in the game. And within just the next series, just it feels like a handful of plays, Corn Kerbin goes down with, uh, ironically, uh, a shoulder injury. And so just kind of pause right there. Saban has said that, you know, both players – now at the stadium it was kind of interesting. Both both of them, both players walk back to, um, to the locker room. And so it's kind of funny to watch where there's our starting – left tackle go back to the locker room and a few minutes later there's our backup uh left tackle going back to the locker room and so there was a moment there where well who's going to play who is going to step in and play at the left uh, tackle position what do we do in in sort of this situation and uh uh i you know and then they announce over the uh, over the um intercom that you know player um and i forget the numbers but essentially brandon green a tight end uh, has a number in the 80s, 83, I think, uh, is gonna uh, is gonna you know change jersey numbers and wear 58, and and um, and so that's him moving from a tight end to uh, more to an interior lineman position, and and what I thought I saw at first, uh, and and so my eyes I may have been deceived a little bit. What I thought I saw at first was Brandon Green at the left tackle position, 
uh, on the next series, I watched it a little more closely, and it was Brandon Green at the right tackle, and it was Jonah Williams that had moved over. So I don't know. Um, I should go back and, and sort of watch the, the DVR of the game. But uh, I don't know if Brandon Green actually did play left tackle or if he came in at right and we moved Jonah over. I know that was the case in the second series. I can't definitively speak for the first series. Uh, but uh, but anyways, it was interesting to see that. Uh, and then I think I left the game almost with a sort of a pit in my stomach wondering, or how are those guys going to be? How are they going to be okay to come back? I was glad that it was an upper body. It wasn't lower body. It wasn't a knee or ankle uh, or something that would affect their mobility. I'm, I'm talking specifically Corin and, and Cam uh, at, at a tackle, at, a, at a, uh, a blocking position. But still, you've got to use your arms and you've got to use your shoulders to, to block. Uh, the way it was reported to me made it sound like maybe uh, it was a stinger. I don't know. Uh, I don't know that to be true, but uh, uh, it does sound like they're going to be back, and uh, and that's good. I know we've seen Cam play with uh, significant injury. Uh, I think it was uh, maybe last year or maybe it was two years ago. I can't remember now. But uh, he played, uh, I think, with a, a sprained knee uh, against LSU after after just sitting out one week and, and actually acquitted himself pretty well. I think he has a high pain tolerance, and he's got a lot of personal pride in wanting to be on the field. So I expect Cam to be out there, and then we'll sort of sort out uh, the left guard position. But I suspect Corrin will be back as well, and probably rotating with Casher just like he has the last couple of weeks. So we'll kind of see how that plays out. <clears throat> uh, Calvin Ridley, I think we got to talk about Calvin Ridley, uh, and, and and it's almost you can't you can't separate talking about Calvin Ridley without also. Uh, giving Jalen some praise as well. The down the field 40 yard, uh, 47 yard strike uh, touchdown uh, from Jalen to Calvin was just that was just a thing of beauty. He looked like, um, you know, Coker last year, kind of stepping back on a play action and throwing the ball down the field. Uh, and he put it right there in Calvin's bread basket. That's exactly what we needed to see. We tried a couple other uh, passes down the field. They, you know, they didn't hit uh, in quite the same way. But that's something to, that certainly we can build off of in the game planning, uh, put that on film, that they, he is a threat uh, throwing the ball down the field, at least can be. And that's something that Jalen can really build his confidence on. Uh, and, and Calvin as well, that he's going to be confident that he can run those routes and Jalen can can uh, feed him the ball. So I think that's absolutely something that we can um, uh, that the team can build some confidence around. Uh, Garrett Dieter at the uh, at the wide receiver position almost felt like he was he was the sub. He got some of the routes that um, that our Darius Stewart would have gotten. Uh, and I have to say that Dieter has one of the strangest stat lines that I think I've ever seen: uh, three catches for one yard and two touchdowns. Mathematically, I don't even know how you do that. And then that's when you insert the tape of Tommy. Uh, talking about passes behind the line of scrimmage and losing yards and and all of that, and so that's kind of funny as well. But uh, uh, at any rate, uh, it was good to see Garrett. Uh, he's been a hard worker, and Saban talked about that in his press conference today. Uh, that uh, it's it's hard, you know, it's it's hard. You, you people want to project that he has been a little disappointing, and and if you're going purely by stats, what he did last year at Bowling Green, and expecting him to repeat those, um, then yeah, I guess you're destined to be disappointed. He has been a hard worker. Um, I probably would have expected some some better stat lines from him, and so it's good to see him, you know, kind of be rewarded, if you will, uh, 
you know, Saturday with uh, with two big touchdown passes uh, and touchdown passes on plays that uh, everyone everyone was expecting uh, running or certainly hoping that the tide would run the ball. You could almost hear the the gasp, um, at least around where I was sitting when Jalen rolled out. But then everyone sort of a sigh of relief and cheer when uh, when we get the touchdown. So that was good to see. Uh, and then Cam Sims, uh, four four catches for 34. I like him being worked back in. And uh, I think over the next couple of games, and I am sort of forecasting into the playoff as well. But uh, I think with sort of some extra, um, an, an extra camp, uh, and uh, and a couple of extra games, I think we're going to start to see more and more out of uh, young Mr. Sims. My mini game ball. Who gets my mini game ball? Uh, you know, I, I guess Tommy's not here, so in his honor, I'm going to bastardize the, the the mini game ball just a little bit, and I'm going to go Damian Harris. I uh, talked about him just a little bit ago. He he came out very physical in the second half, and uh, his touchdown run um, when when he saw the opening and he and he had to beat the guy to the corner. But when he saw the the opening, he saw the guy turned, uh, and he knew that he could run and beat him to the corner, and uh, and and went virtually untouched for the touchdown. That was impressive. And we're talking about a guy that that for my money doesn't have top end speed. And I've kind of kidded that, you know, the biggest story coming out of next August is is going to be Damian dropping, you know, six or seven, eight pounds uh, and being lighter on his feet and a little more, uh, a little more quick, a little more burst, uh, a little more top end speed. And I say that so a little tongue in cheek, but, you know, also I wouldn't be surprised if, if it's true. But when he turned that corner, he did show a little burst of speed. Uh, and, uh, and he's a guy, um, he reminds me a little bit of uh, Superman, right? Because you see his interviews and he's got his glasses and he looks, you know, very stately. Uh, but then you see him on the field and he's, and, and he is a hard nosed, very physical uh, runner. He's a, he's a young, he's a young kid that I, I really do like and I enjoy watching him play. So he's my mini game ball uh, for uh, the Alabama UTC game. Let's flip the field to defense. I am probably a little more conflicted on defense than, uh, than maybe I am on offense. Uh, defense, you think it travels well, uh, and it does. And, um, you know, it felt like for me that UTC did better than they actually did. Uh, watching the game, it felt like uh, they were a better team than they ended up being. Um, I mean, they only scored three points, right? Um, you know, they, they had uh, 34 minutes of time of possession, but like I said, only scored three minute, uh, three points. Uh, their starting quarterback was 16 of 20 uh, of 21. You know, at 76 percent passing, a lot of slants. Uh, but he only had 106 yards and 114 total passing yards if you count the the backup coming in. Uh, we didn't have any sacks on the quarterback uh, yet. We knocked him out of the game, uh, and so you know, Benefil came out with uh, with injury. Watched him uh, get worked on on the sideline. They don't have one of those tents, you know, and so. Uh, saw him get worked on on the sideline and, and try to to warm up throwing the ball and just and, and he just couldn't go and so they brought in the backup but uh, you know and again we never root for injury but Saban does talk about affecting the quarterback and 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 dinging him so that he can't come in you know qualifies you don't do anything dirty you don't and in fact it was it was a fumble situation and so he went down to recover uh, a bad snap and diving uh players diving for the ball just caused his his shoulder his uh his elbow and his shoulder to kind of get uh contorted and so that's just one of those things you can't account for uh you never want that to happen but 
But, uh, you know, you want to be physical and you want to die for the ball and you want to go, you know, try to make a play. And that's kind of what happened there. Um, you know, they only uh, they only had the ball for 54 plays, uh, 184 yards. And so that's good defense. They actually had more yards than some teams than we've played this year uh, that we've played this year. But uh, still, uh, you know, that's not going to that's not going to set any records. Uh, they were only two of 13 on third downs. And so they had you know, literally a couple of third down conversions, but defense was very effective, you know, two of 13, you don't win those games. Um, uh, so the defense was very effective in getting off the field. Uh, that's keep, that keeps the defense fresh. Uh, and then no TDs allowed again. Uh, and in fact, Alabama hasn't allowed a, a touchdown since, um, you know, early in the third quarter against Texas A&M. That's been quite a, quite a long time ago. This defensive performance, again, live in the game, it just felt like Chattanooga was doing more and doing better than they really were. But in the end, it was sort of a boring, methodical, sort of effective uh, performance by the defense. I want to call out uh, maybe a couple individual players. Uh, Ruben Foster, he went out uh, at one point. It actually looked pretty bad the way that he was holding his arm and looked like maybe he was holding his wrist. And so you wonder, you know, what – what actually in in the structure there is wrong, but but he returned um, pretty quickly. It was a series or two later. He he returned, uh, and again to me it looked like maybe it was a stinger, a, a bad one. But uh, you know he was able to he was able to come back and was very effective in his return. There were a couple of plays where you know almost back to back he knifed into the backfield. Uh, and uh, and just tackled the runner as he was getting the ball. Had that been a pass play, that would have been a sack. And then there was another play where uh, he was trailing the the runner to uh, the sideline, and he didn't actually get the tackle, but he was just right there. And had there been you know two more yards, and you know he would have laid some wood as well. But uh, Ruben Foster played really really well, and it was good to see him uh, come back from the injury. Uh, and hopefully he'll be able to stay healthy for the, the next couple of weeks. Uh, someone alluded uh, in an interview that uh, he is playing with some things uh, and overcoming some things. So I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we'll get through Auburn, we'll get the SEC uh, championship game, and then he'll have an opportunity to, uh, to get fully healthy uh, for the postseason. It did feel good, and this is sort of the, the, the riches that we feel as Alabama fans, that uh, Reuben Foster goes out and Rashad Evans comes in. I had a little swell of pride that, you know, this is <laughs> this is this is how good we are. We can bring in a guy that would be a starter for for you know nearly almost uh, any other team in the country, much you know much less conference. Uh, he, you know, Rashad Evans is that talented, and he's able to step in for Reuben Foster. And as much as I was proud and happy to see Reuben Foster come back, I feel you know every bit of confidence that that uh, Rashad Evans could play in that position and that even a Keith Holt can, can come in. Now that's going to be, that's another sort of step of drop down, but uh, that Keith, Keith Holt can, uh, Holcomb can come in and, and sub for a Rashad Evans over the course of a game. And I would feel confident uh, in seeing that happen. Uh, plus Holcomb, <laughs> damn, he just looks good in his uniform. He just looks like a football player. Uh, and so it's fun to see him out there making plays. Uh, Ronnie Harrison, this is a kid, this is a sophomore uh, that just gets better every week. And and I can't say that with enough emphasis. Uh, he seems, you know, more and more comfortable out there. And just every week, he, he's just better and better at making plays. And so he's certainly fun to watch. Um, you know, I would say, and, uh, you know, I would call him a headhunter out there. And I mean that in, the, in like the old school football sense. 
rather than sort of the PC, you know, today's uh, sort of media world where that would be viewed negatively. Uh, he's not out striking people in the head, literally, uh, and getting ejected from games uh, in that sense. He's just out there laying wood and making people pay for, for uh, you know, trying to advance the ball. Uh, so Ronnie Harrison, he's 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 a favorite, and uh, he's going to be a player that I just I just encourage you to continue to watch. Uh, Tony Brown, want to pick on him just a little bit. Uh, he was out of position a couple times very early in the game. Uh, in fact, I think uh, the longest strike that uh, UTC had uh, was a play where Tony got a little uh, a little out of position, and so he was promptly called over to the sideline, uh, and then he was put back into the game, and and he played. You know pretty well i think the the most of the day most of the rest of the day uh, i think that's something that, that he'll work on i think tony brown has a lot of athleticism he certainly has a lot of want to so i think he'll pick up on that but um that's certainly something that happened uh and we need to get that out of his game and reps and film study and those types of things will uh will cause that to happen anytime every time i see a player kind of get burned and then i think they have the opportunity to sort of overcome that it just reminds me of D. Milliner, his freshman year. Uh, I think he was making one of his first starts, uh, and he just got lit up. Uh, I think it was against Arkansas, and lit up for like a 70-something yard touchdown. And um, and I think that's the only time that ever happened in his career. He, he was able to come back and sort of uh, learn from that and build build from that. And so I'm, I'm hoping, you know, Tony has a similar experience. Uh, I'm going to go mini game ball on defense, and I'm going to go Sean Dion Hamilton. Uh, five tackles. He's a guy that um, is will sort of will perpetually be underrated given the other guys on the Alabama defense. But he's always sticking his head in there. He's always making a tackle, um, and and it's almost like there's not enough opportunities for him for him to have a breakout day. But uh, he's he's a guy that is is sort of a uh, a workman player within the defense seems to always be in the right place. Uh, there were a couple times he was even uh, shifted out in coverage, and um, even when we had a, a nickel package, he would line up on uh, on one of the receivers. And so that demonstrates his versatility and certainly the confidence that the coaching staff has in him. So uh, Sean Dion Hamilton, he's a guy that if he played for another team. Everyone in the conference would know his name because he would be the he would be the star of that defense. Think if he played pick a team, Mississippi State, he would be the star of Mississippi State's defense. He would be the guy that Saban gets up there and says, "We've got to watch out for the Sean Deion Hamilton because he can get you. He can get you anywhere on the field." Well, he's he's one of he's just <laughs> he's just one of the guys on the Alabama defense. Whereas on another team, he would be a, an all star caliber team, and and everyone in the conference. Uh, would know about him and and you know he'd have a little bit of a national reputation because he would just be that good of a guy uh, on on another team. So, anyways, SDH is my man. Uh, special teams, you know, I got a mixed bag on special teams. Um, <clears throat> JK, I mean, JK did what he does. Um, he, I, I think, he was snubbed by the Ray Guy Award Committee last week, uh, ironically, because. Uh, I don't know that they came out and officially said this, but kind of looking at the metrics, it, it looked like that he did not have enough reps to qualify for, uh, you know, for consideration on the award, which is ironic, you know, right, that he plays for a team that is so good and that J.K. is part of the reason that the team is so good. And so some of the other punters that um, 
I'm not, I won't be able to quote exact numbers. I think JK had, you know, 30 something punts. Um, and there were other punters that, you know, they were in the sixties. And, and so you just think for a minute and, and you think, wow, 30 more punts. That's a lot. I mean, it wasn't quite twice, but it was 30 more punts. And so you think that's, you know, that's three more punts a game. That's three more possessions that, that sort of fall off the, uh, fall off the script. Those are scoring opportunities that you're getting that. Uh, and, and so you think, well, that's how Alabama's winning because they've got 30, you know, fewer punts than, you know, the team with the next best punter. Um, so, so to me, that's, that's kind of funny, but, uh, yeah, definitely. I think he got stubbed, uh, snubbed for the Ray guy award, but his performance against UTC ironically is a line that almost by itself should win him the way the the Ray Guy Award. So the week that he gets snubbed for not having enough punts, uh, the irony of irony, he has six punts, uh, and he has an average of 49 yards, a long of 56. Uh, he has four inside the 20, one touchback, and three that are 50 plus. I mean, that's a punt. That's a punting stat line that is pretty darn impressive. And so J.K. does what J.K. does, and it's just so darn impressive to to get to see him do that. Uh, Trayvon Diggs uh, returning. Um, I am not loving him as a returner, and I just have to say that. Uh, I like to see him with the ball in the open field. I love to see him, uh, or I would love to see more and more of him uh, as a receiver, but he just appears uncomfortable uh, fielding punts, uh, especially when the ball gets on the ground. Uh, it's almost like he lets the ball uh, hit, and then, and then there's some concern about about fielding it, uh, as opposed to maybe just stepping right up under it. Um, I don't know what it is. It just to me, from my seat, you know, 49 rows up, uh, he just appears uncomfortable. So uh, we'll have to see kind of how that develops and how that uh, uh, how he start how how he improves there. But I'd say with shadow of the doubt, uh, without a shadow of the doubt, that we're missing. Uh, some Eddie Jackson there at the at the punt return, the kicking game, <clears throat> and I'm, here's just where I'm going to scratch my head. Uh, I I probably I probably you know looked at 50 different articles trying to find someone asking about this, someone writing about this, and I could not find Boo, uh, which is <laughs> which is really surprising, right? Because uh, it was one of the big storylines of the UTC game, but uh, Adam Griffith goes out and uh, kicks two two PATs. And then, uh, and boy, I hope I pronounce his name correctly, and, and Grace, if I don't. But uh, Adam uh, uh, Papanastos, uh, he's actually uh, a transfer punter from Ole Miss. He had two PATs. What's interesting is that when Andy came in uh, to kick PATs after Adam, um, Adam Griffith was one PTA away from setting uh, PAT, uh, away from setting the record, and so it's almost um, it's almost right when he gets to the 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 record, we bring in the other guy, which which makes me wonder if he if uh, Adam Adam was injured in some way. Uh, Andy again, Papa Nastos uh, came in and kicked a field goal. Uh, Adam Griffith did not have a field goal, but Andy nailed a, a 33 yarder. And uh, from uh, the perspective of kickoffs, Adam has been uh, performing very well in the kickoff performance. Well, he he had two kickoffs, average 60 yards, zero touchbacks. But J.K. 
the punter came in and had four kickoffs, and he averaged 59, so right there in the ballpark. And he actually uh, he actually did have a touchback. And so it, it looks like we have uh, a really good backup at the kickoff if that's needed. And maybe, you know, it's hard to say with one PA, uh, with two PATs and, and one 33-yard field goal, but, but uh, you know, maybe we got someone who can step in and, and kick field goals. The question is, the mystery to me is, um, and again, I probably look at 50 articles today and I couldn't find boo about it, but, um, you know, what what's up with Adam? Uh, it wasn't asked in any of the interviews, any of the coaching interviews that I saw. It wasn't in, in uh, any of the articles, but uh, why – was he sort of rotated out? Is there an injury? And we know last year he had some uh, some back ailments. Uh, is there a reoccurrence of injury? Or is this performance based? And we've talked about this season uh, where he's kind of struggled. Now, I think last week against Mississippi State, he was 3-3. Three three, and so it looked like maybe his, trend, his performance was kind of trending the right way. But that's just something to keep an eye on. What's going to happen? Um, man, I'd really like to have some more stability at the position. Um at, you know, at this place, at this part of the season, at this sort of critical uh, juncture, and, and the increased significance and weight of the upcoming games. And so I don't know if we're just trying to see what we've got in the other guy uh, or if uh, we're fighting through sort of an injury situation. So that will be a must-watch uh, situation. <clears throat> so transitioning into next week, got a little game that uh, we like to call the Iron Bowl. Uh against West Georgia's finest, um, the early line is 18 and a half points, which, you know, I mean, there's tall buildings in Vegas for a reason. Every time I see one of these lines, I just kind of shake my head. But then, you know, and then I go and then, you know, <laughs> we we uh, we actually perform pretty well uh, with, with the line, with the Vegas uh, pronostication. So uh, 18 and a half, it's hard to argue with it, but uh, still it's a big number and you start to, you know, I get a little uncomfortable when I see those kinds of numbers, but, uh, but, you know, nonetheless, there it is. I think the, I think the variable, you know, if you were to ask me kind of what's the determining factor in in this game, uh, it's going to be Auburn's health. They've got two running backs. Uh, They had a stretch in the season where they were just lighting it up 300 yard rushing games. And, um, you know, they seem to kind of wear the tread off a, a couple of their runners. They've got two guys, uh, that are dinged, and then uh, they've sort of rotated three different quarterbacks uh, at different times uh, during the season. Um, I love Ryan Anderson in the interview today. He was asked about, you know, how do you prepare for three quarterbacks, and and he said, well, you know, I don't worry about it. Uh, they can only play one at a time, and he's either only going to run or pass. So he just sort of distilled it down. Look, if I take care of what I need to take care of, it doesn't matter who they have back there. And so I, I, I like I like that focused uh, approach, and I liked his answer, just kind of breaking it down in that way. But uh, but there is a reality that uh, Sean White has been their best uh, quarterback today, uh, or this season rather, and uh, and he has been dinged up. I don't think he played uh, much or at all Saturday against. Uh, Alabama A&M, and he did play uh, the week prior against Georgia and and looked pretty limited. And so that'll, that will that will be interesting. I think that will be sort of the tail of the tape. If, uh, if their running backs uh, are dinged, what level of ding, and then, uh, and then Sean White uh, with his shoulder. And a shoulder is sort of an injury that uh, if, if he's not truly 100%, he can come out and get sacked and, and really sort of 
uh, uh, revert back to uh, or re-inflame that injury. And so that's something to, to kind of keep an eye on. And so I know some of our defensive linemen, if he's out there, I mean, they're always going to want to get after the quarterback. We might have a little more motivation to uh, see if we can't knock out uh, their quarterback. So we'll see. You know, I'd, I'm going to pick probably two scores. Uh, if they are healthy, if they come with full health in this game, uh, and I know I probably get some pushback from uh, from some of you guys, but uh, uh, if they come full healthy, then this is probably a 24 to, to 14 type game. Uh, I see them being able to move the ball. Uh, I see them being able to uh, uh, to be balanced uh, again if these guys are healthy uh, with the run and the pass. And their defense is is uh, is truly uh, an outstanding defense. And so. Um, I think we would wear down their defense, but I do think they would be balanced enough to uh, to score some points. So I would see that more as a 24 to 14 type game. Now, if they're not fully healthy and maybe they just get one of those running backs and he's not fully 100 percent and Sean White maybe comes out, but but he's not 100 percent or maybe he gets sort of knocked out of the game, then their offense will not be as proficient in holding the ball uh, and, and possessing and driving driving the ball. Uh, which will give us the opportunity. So they'll be less effective offensively. Uh, then that will give us more possessions on offense, which I think would further uh, sort of wear out their defense. And so uh, if they're not healthy, it's really not a game. And I think it's more of a 37 to six type game. So the health of the Auburn players is really the single thing that, that I would, uh, I would, I would encourage you to keep an eye on uh, and see how that plays out. And, and, and it just another sort of little nugget nugget that I'll throw out there is, you know, Auburn struggled mightily against Georgia a couple of weeks ago. And again, part of that was injured players. And so they've had this time to, to you know, maybe potentially get healthy. But they struggled to the tune of just being atrocious. I think they had all of 12 yards in the second half. We can double check that stat. But uh, it was an embarrassingly low number. And all of their possessions in the second half ended in, in, in a punt, um, which, again, that is – you know, O for the second half. And so what in particularly stands out to me is that's a Kirby smart defense, uh, at least in scheme, right? And so a Kirby, Kirby smart schemed defense is going to be, you know, guess what? Pretty similar to a Nick Saban scheme defense. The only difference is the Alabama version is going to be more talented uh, than what uh, currently Georgia fields. And so I think there's a lot of things that Alabama would have been able to uh, the coaching staff would have been able to observe um, watching that Georgia film and and how the tide will line up similarly or, or differently than how uh, the Bulldogs did, uh, knowing that there's going to be some overlap in philosophy. So I think that's something to, that's something to watch out for too. Uh, again, you know, 24 to 14 if they're fully healthy. Uh, I think it'd be hard pressed to say that they're going to be fully healthy, but uh, uh, if they were. And then if they're not, I think it's 37 to, to 6. And so maybe there's something sort of in the in the balance there if they get some of the guys back, but not all. But, uh, you know, we'll kind of see how that plays out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, definitely looking forward to that game and then the opportunity to, to play Florida again uh, in the SEC championship. You know, we'll come back after the Auburn game and after we break that down and we'll talk about the SEC championship game. I've got um, – I'm going to switch gears a little bit. <clears throat> and I just want to just, you know – hats like a triple hats off to uh to fans really giving us uh some some positive feedback on itunes uh you know tom and i are just guys right i mean we went to alabama together we were uh have been friends since college and and we just 
we just love talking football. And one day we said, Hey, you know, let's just do this on a podcast because we haven't found a podcast out there that, that uh, really talks good Alabama football. And so it is very uh, flattering and humbling and encouraging when we get positive feedback from the listeners. And so uh, we just want to call out a couple of folks that, uh, that are calling us out. And so we really appreciate it. Uh, Frank, um, I swear this is, 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 uh, uh, his call name, but it's Frank F and Rizzo, like literally it's F N. Um, but, uh, fantastic commentary commentary. I've always been a big Bama fan, but in recent years, I've spent more time trying to learn the details. Uh, you don't get much watching ESPN. I stumbled across this podcast and it's literally one of the highlights of highlights of my week during football season. I look at the game uh, in a different way now because of the insights these guys provide. Keep up the good work. Well, thanks, Frank. We certainly appreciate that. Uh, Trio of Doom. I love that. Uh, Trio of Doom. Uh, He gives us four stars. That could be a she, so he or she. Um, uh, Bama's best inside stuff. That's that's awesome. Uh, Great commentary. I've been listening to these guys for about three or four years. Uh, they are dead on, and uh, they uh, they were dead on in the aftermath of the 2013 Iron Bowl. Uh, sometimes uh, you would want these guys to make decisions for the team in certain areas. That's pretty cool. I like that. Uh, however, they are still not sold on the mobile quarterback, uh, even though college football quarterbacks have been mobile since the 40s. Uh, it doesn't matter, guys, when Saban's defenses are always ranked in the top four. Defense wins championships. That is, uh, that is awesome. I, I agree with him. I feel like um, the so he gave us four stars, which is awesome. We appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to pin that that one sort of minus star on Tom because uh, Tom's a little more anti uh, the mobile quarterback than I am. But uh, but I, I I respect what Trio has uh, for us here. And then this is uh, Dr. J Joiner, uh, essential listening for the Crimson Tide fans, and he gives us a five uh, five star review. And I like his kind of breakdown here. Uh, we need to have him on because he's breaking down the show. Uh, like we hope that uh, we're breaking down Alabama football. But he says, uh, I've been listening uh, to Tom and Dave's take on the tide since uh, early 2015 season and never miss an episode. Uh, the back and forth banter between two friends who are longtime fans of the team is entertaining and insightful. The show typically comes out on Thursdays, providing, yeah, we're a little late uh, sometimes, but uh, yeah, typically comes out on Thursdays, providing both an in depth review of the previous Saturday's game and a look into next week's action. Dave plays host and is reasonably, I love this, and is a reasonably happy tied uh, homer and uh, lover of the uh, rabbit nickel defense, while Tom uh, Tom grudgingly accepts winning but wishes for more smash mouth football and despises passes behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, I particularly enjoy the many game balls uh, ostensibly award to lunch bell players who don't get and is and his his comment cuts off there, but uh, he's talking. And I'm just curious how, what what else he goes on to say. But uh, uh, but yeah, he's pretty spot on on his anal- uh, his analysis there. Uh, um, I think Tom and I agree on a lot of things, and and you know maybe on the podcast not all of that comes across. Uh, but there are fringes uh, of topics where we don't agree, and and uh, and we actually spend a lot of time on those in the podcast. But hey, you know, I really love, and I know I speak for Tom too. Uh, greatly love and appreciate uh, feedback. We absolutely enjoy doing this, and uh, it's so much fun uh, to see that you guys appreciate it as well. That we're not just talking in the space, but uh, that there's folks out there listening and enjoying what we're doing. So. Uh, so we really do appreciate it. 
if you can, you know, I'm going to ask, you know, hey, go out there and leave us some more reviews. Uh, maybe give us a little grace if uh, if you don't like a one man show versus uh, versus the two. But uh, Tom's got some holiday travel that he's doing and got some family birthdays and uh, some other uh, family stuff to attend to, to this week. And uh, and so uh, it being the holiday week and it being coming off Chattanooga, um, we said, you know, hey, you know, Dave, let's let you kind of shoulder the load this week. And so uh, a little grace if uh, if you didn't like the one man show. But uh, if you like what we do, you know, go get, go leave us a review. Uh, go hit us up with some comments. Uh, I actually write a, uh, an article every week. Uh, it's, it's what I learned watching Alabama play, whoever that week's opponent is. And, uh, I, I, uh, I put one of those out on Bama hammer every week. And then a day or two later, we actually post the, the podcast show notes out there. And so if you're not on iTunes or if you don't want to, uh, you know, not sort of an iTunes person, but you like what we do, then, uh, go leave us some comments and, uh, feedback on, uh, Bama hammer. Let our editors know that you enjoy what we do. And, uh, like I said, I've got another article, uh, that I put out there a little bit of overlap with what uh, we talk about on the show, but uh, but uh, it's sort of unfiltered my opinion on on some things and what I'm learning as the as the tide progresses and the the season rolls on. But uh, hey, enough ramble about that. Uh, it's Auburn week. Uh, it's uh, Iron Bowl week, and so uh, let's get our heads on straight. Uh, we know that the team will be ready, and they will have uh, the guys sort of coached up, and uh, hope to see you guys in uh, gals in Tuscaloosa rooting on the tide with that this has been another edition of the alabama football podcast roll tide thanks for listening to the alabama football podcast we love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show we encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like where we can improve or just a shout out a roll tide we are where you are itunes facebook twitter email newsletters t-shirts free roster downloads And, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the Tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.